This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Hi, hello, welcome. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. And I am your host, who is feeling so very lightened now that she doesn't have to contend with retelling the Aeneid any longer. Liv. I do want to make clear, by the end, I really did appreciate the Aeneid, and even more so having spoken with Dr. Avid McMaster last week. Did you catch that bonus episode? It's just that, well, it was really hard trying to make exciting episodes out of that particular epic, regardless of how much I respect it for its overall content and literary value. So I'm just pumped to be back in the good stuff. Also, I've spent the past week recording the audiobook version of my upcoming book of Greek mythology, which is one of the coolest things I've ever said aloud, but which also gave me a renewed desire to drill back into the real classic aspects of Greek mythology, the characters we know and love, the stories we love to hate. But first, I think it's time for another Q&A episode of the podcast. Specifically, I want to talk about Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So please, email me your questions or DM me on Twitter. But watch out for Instagram. My DMs are madness. So this week, I am here with one of the most timeless stories of Greek mythology. Not because of its characters, though, which is a rare feat in this world. Instead, it's timeless because it's a story that appears in so, so many ancient cultures' mythologies. 
This is episode 111, Climate Crisis But Make It Ancient, Deucalion, Pyrrha, and the Great Deluge. First, let me be clear. The climate crisis is very serious, and I am not likening it to cyclical weather. It is absolutely man-made and down with the fossil fuel industry. It's just that this was a great episode title. Deucalion was a mortal man, though the son of Prometheus. Pyrrha, a mortal woman, the daughter of Pandora. Who their mother and father were, respectively, is not of our concern. The point is, they were some of the earliest humans in the world, and their parentage shows it. According to some interpretations of the early years of this classical civilization, generations were split into ages. This is, of course, mythologically speaking, though the names of the ages do resemble science. Don't let that confuse you. The Golden Age, the Silver Age, the Bronze Age. These are the ages they were split into. I've I've briefly mentioned these before, though perhaps one day I'll dive deeper in. Today is not that day. I should say, I do also think I've actually mentioned the Flood story before, if not briefly telling it back when I told Pandora. Either way, it deserves its own episode. And so here we are. The story is told in so, so many sources, but of course, the most detailed and beautiful is Ovid's, so that's the main story I'm referring to here. The existence of a world-destroying flood is mentioned in countless ancient sources from the Greek and Roman worlds over hundreds of years, which is an important note, but those sources tend to just mention it with maybe a couple minor details thrown in, but of course, not Ovid. Our story begins with Deucalion and Pyrrha. If one goes with the varied Ages of Man versions I mentioned earlier, these two lived during the Bronze Age, an age full of war and violence. Again, not to be confused with the scientific Bronze Age. Deucalion and Pyrrha were king and queen of northern Greece, the Locris, Malus, and up into Thessaly area. A rare thing for major characters to come from these regions, and yes, now all I can think of is Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which, if you're familiar with it, you too know that very little happens in Locris and Malice. Of course, one very important thing does happen in that region, Deucalion and Pyrrha. The couple born of these very early founding characters of human mythology of the Greeks were about to become the last humans on Earth. See, Bronze Age of Humanity or not, the people of the world around the time of Deucalion and Pyrrha were not good. At least, not good according to Zeus. Some versions of this story, including my man Ovid's, directly link these not-good humans to the story of Lycaon, the man transformed into the wolf, whose story I told back during Spooky Halloween of last year. Lycaon was an example of humanity as a whole. They'd become corrupt, impious, and generally just troublemakers Zeus wanted dealt with. And so Zeus, in his egomaniacal, megalomaniac glory, was determined to put a stop to these problematic humans of the world. But how to do it? Zeus's first thought was that he would simply hurl lightning and thunder at Earth until everyone was smoldering piles of ash. But no, he quickly realized, while certainly effective at destroying those damn impious humans, 
there was a good chance that actions like that could affect uh, Olympus. Why, he would never want to damage his own beautiful home, never want to risk harming anything he held dear. No, he simply wanted to destroy all of the people of the world, that was all. Zeus recalled a prophecy he'd heard some time ago that one day there would be a massive conflagration, one that would destroy even the fabric of the universe, and therefore he and all the other gods as well. No, 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 he didn't want to go instigating that by accident. He must be more careful. Hmm. How to destroy all of humanity without harming any of the good stuff. How, how, how? How will Zeus destroy all of humanity? Ah, he thinks finally. Yes, I've got it. I'll drown them. Yes, that's it. A flood. A deluge. That will drown all of the humans and, sure, probably most of the animals too, but it won't touch Olympus at all. And isn't that what matters? Early days of humanity, Zeus seemed a little less concerned about removing his pool of sexual encounters than later Zeus might be. Or he simply knew that there would be enough goddesses left that he wouldn't have any issues. The god has needs, of course. A flood it is. Zeus sets out to determine the best and most destructive way of drowning all the world. It would be a deluge, that would be certain. Endless, utter downpouring of rain. But how to ensure the rain didn't dissipate or go away? that the clouds didn't float off, ending the downpour before everyone had been well and truly drowned. Zeus determined to shut away the winds in the cave of Aeolus, the god of the winds. He shut away all the winds, but Notus, the south wind. Off Notus flies, drenched in precipitation, black as night, quote, his beard is heavy with rain clouds. Ovid describes it so beautifully, such a visual representation of this sort of old man of the clouds, beard and hair soaking with rain, threatening to fall, when, suddenly, he squeezes on the clouds full of rain and it begins to pour. And pour and pour. When the clouds begin to run low on water, Iris, the messenger goddess, fills them to the brim once more. The rain continues, decimating farms on all the high ground. But that's not enough. Zeus isn't seeing enough of the world destroyed by his rain. He needs help. Who better to handle an excess of water than Poseidon, god of the sea himself? Poseidon is eager to help Zeus, whether because he too is angry with humanity, is fearful of his brother, or simply aching to cause unrelenting chaos. No matter the reason, Poseidon is so down with this maniacal flood plan of Zeus's. He calls together all the rivers and streams of the world. They all fall under his dominion, so come immediately when called. According to Ovid's take on this story, he even has a speech to give them. Quote, the time is late, no long harangues. In brief, set all your forces free, that's what we need. Open your gates and let your current speed. Loosen the reins, don't slow or stay your streams. Basically, go, rivers, fuck shit up. 
And they do! But Poseidon doesn't leave it entirely up to the rivers of the world. He will also do his part. With a strike of his trident into the earth, he causes a major earthquake that not only shakes the land, but breaks it apart. Some sources specify that this breaks apart mountains in Thessaly specifically, or just mountains in general. But either way, a mountain, if not more, is split, making room for even more destruction to be done by the rivers he's provoked. The rivers and streams all burst through their banks, overflowing all of Greece and flooding farmland everywhere. The rivers flood fields and orchards and groves. They take out herds, shrines, and people's homes. Everything is swept away by the rushing waters brought on by Zeus's deluge of rain and Poseidon's instigation of the rivers. The flooding is so bad that even if a house manages to remain standing after the rushing waters overwhelm it, the water level rises to the point of the house being entirely underwater. Here and there, people are able to save themselves. One gets to the top of a hill in time, or another finds his boat and sails it even as it sails over his own house. But overall, it's just all gone. A description Ovid uses to express the level of devastation is, quote, Between the sea and land, one cannot draw distinctions. All is sea, but with no shore. Even the beings of the sea find this development troubling. Nereids find themselves swimming amongst cities. Dolphins swim through vineyards. I don't want to go into how the animals dealt with this, because of course they didn't, and it's tragic as all hell. Even those who are able to save themselves initially can't continue their survival. They're taken out by surges of still more water, or worse, die of starvation with nothing left to eat. Zeus is a real asshole. I mean, was this truly necessary? Still, if Zeus was an asshole for this, then so is almost every other sky deity of the ancient world. The Mesopotamians had a flood myth, the Egyptians had a flood myth, Hindu mythology had a flood myth, the Bible had a flood myth. Needless to say, there was almost certainly a major world-decimating level flood at some point in human history. Meanwhile, in focus, the one couple that is going to survive the Great Deluge, Deucalion and Pyrrha, children of Titans, arrive on their little boat on the top of Mount Parnassus one of the only mountain peaks that still rises above the waters. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. 
Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Finally, on land for the first time in who can even say how long, Deucalion and Pyrrha set about trying to right themselves with the gods to figure out their best chance for survival after this ferocious storm and flood. First, they pray to the nymphs of the Corakian Cave, which, yes, is a location in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Next, to Themis, the titan goddess of law and order, an early goddess who, Ovid says, was the keeper of the Delphic Oracle. Because, a reminder, this was so very long ago, even in terms of the mythology, that Apollo did not control the Oracle at the time. Only the titans and early gods of Olympus were recognizable, there were no humans we know now, or even some of the later gods, this was just very early days. Of all the people to survive the deluge, the utter decimation of the Greek world, Deucalion and Pyrrha were some of the best there were. Deucalion was a strong believer in right and wrong, law and order, and Pyrrha was pious as all hell, a real testament to human worship of the gods. In other words, they were exactly the type of people that Zeus was likely to allow to live, even after he'd attempted to do away with humanity entirely. And that's exactly what happened. Zeus saw that Deucalion and Pyrrha had survived even the worst he had to throw at humans, and he took in their character and actions. Yes, he decided, these two are good. They're probably worthy of their survival, and so I'll help keep it that way. It probably didn't hurt that they were also the children of gods themselves. With the knowledge that it was only these two that had survived, there was not a single living human left in the ancient Greek world, Zeus set about stopping the deluge and the flood. He'd done enough, it was now time to rebuild with what had survived. Zeus called on Boreas, the north wind, and had him blow off all the rain clouds, part them from the sky, and allow the sun to shine through once more. Quote, The sky could see again the land, and the land again could see the heavens. Next, Poseidon went about stopping his part of the flood. He caused the seas to be calm once more, the seas that took up most of the world entire. 
He had them recede and call to his son Triton to blow on his conch shell, a sound that would let the rivers and streams know that they too were to recede back to their rightful places, to allow the world to once more resemble its original self. Slowly and steadily, Earth returns. The seas once more have a shoreline, rivers once more have riverbeds. In time, the land returns and the green of the earth with it. There's traces of the flood, slime on the tops of trees, seashells in bizarre places, but for the most part, earth returns to normal. Except that it's empty, completely devoid of life beyond Pyrrha and Decauion. The couple realize the predicament they're in. Sure, they've survived this horrific flood that's killed everyone else. In theory, that's a good thing. But how to stay alive when you're the last on Earth? The first step is to seek the Oracle, to pray to Themis for their safety and their future. Deucalion and Pyrrha make their way to the Temple of the Oracle, which still stands, though it isn't the same. There's moss on the roof, the sacred flames no longer burn. Still, it is the temple to the goddess, and their prayers reach her. Themis advises Deucalion and Pyrrha to, as they leave the temple, cover their heads and throw behind them as they walk, quote, the bones of the Great Mother. The instructions spoken by Themis's oracle, quote, throw behind you as you go the bones of the Great Mother. If you think these instructions are confusing, you're not the only one. Deucalion and Pyrrha are both quite troubled by these words. What do they mean, exactly? They can't exactly find their own mother's bones and scatter them. That would be horribly offensive to their memories, their shades down in the underworld, not to mention generally tricky. But what on earth else could it mean? Together, the pair talk it out, feeling generally pretty stressed out about the whole situation. It's all a mess, and now they have these incredibly vague and confusing instructions. Not great. Finally, after a lot of thought on the subject, Deucalion comes up with a theory. I don't think Themis means for us to commit any kind of sacrilege, he proposes. Instead, I think that what she means by the Great Mother would be Earth, and so the bones would be stones. It's stones we must throw behind us as we go. He announces this much to Pyrrha's relief. This is a much better and more realistic plan, much less worrying, and frankly, much more likely what Themis meant. There's no reason she would have advised them to do anything crazy like commit crimes against the dead. Even though this plan seems reasonable, a decent enough interpretation of Themis's words, they're not entirely certain. It's still all up to fate. But what other choice do they have? So, Deucalion and Pyrrha do as requested. They cover their heads, that much was clear, and then they go with their guess, throwing stones behind them as they go. As they continue on, the stones they'd thrown behind them land in the soft ground, beginning to almost melt into the ground itself. They've lost their hardness and slowly begin to change their shape. Very slowly and without much rhyme or reason, the stones begin to grow and transform into more human-like shapes. 
rough at first, sort of blobby and weird, though that isn't the terminology Ovid uses. He's much too poetic for that. But blobby they are, uncertain shapes vaguely beginning to resemble those of humans. Finally, quote, And since the gods had willed it so, quite soon the stones the man had thrown were changed to men, and those the woman cast took women's forms. From this our race is tough, tenacious, we work hard, proof of our stony ancestry. Ugh, Ovid. But, as I mentioned, it isn't only Ovid who tells this story. The number of sources on a flood myth in classical mythology are seemingly endless. Most of the details remain the same, with a few interesting differences. A source referred to as Pseudo-Hyenus, which basically means, from my understanding, that we used to think it was a guy named Hyenus who wrote this, or it was attributed to him at some time, but now, with more insight into the history, it was probably somebody else. Regardless, in his Fabulae, which is a later text from the 2nd century AD-ish, and from Rome, says that Zeus actually caused the flood under the pretext of putting out the fires on the earth that were set by poor Phaethon, who stole his father's sun chariot and lost control. He, as you might remember, set everything on fire, and so according to that idea, Zeus used the fires as a reason to send the flood, though in truth his ultimate goal was still just killing every human on earth. Zeus is just so chill, isn't he? But regardless, the ultimate story of the flood is one that is timeless, exists throughout not only classical mythology, which encompasses Greece and Rome, but also so many in the Mediterranean region and beyond. There are so many flood myths in ancient mythologies. It's fascinating. And when it comes to this one, this is technically the birth of the humanity we know now. If you take it from the different ages, the Bronze Age was wiped out, and with it, Deucalion and Pyrrha then gave birth to the New Age through these stone people who are sort of the ancestors for everybody. It's that New Age that was apparently good enough that Zeus didn't feel the need to kill us all over again, but I mean, debatable. We're not looking so good right now. Ugh, nerds, thank you all for listening. Apologies for the slightly shorter length of today's episode. As I mentioned, this week I recorded the audiobook for my book. Have you pre-ordered it yet? And randomly, I also got a new and dream apartment. It's been quite the week. I'm also happy to announce that all of March will be dedicated to stories of women in Greek mythology, as if most of my show isn't already, but I'm going to do some deep dives into the women who are often super misunderstood or misrepresented, and I will finally tell you all about the mythological and historical Amazons. So, so much coming up. Reasons why today's episode is short. I was really pressed for time, but oh, we have the flood anyway. Very, very exciting. But in the meantime... I will be back with you next week with a Q&A episode. So please, send in your questions before the end of this week, Friday, whatever day in February that is. What is it, like the 5th, maybe? Anyway, send email them to mythsbaby at gmail.com or you can DM me on Twitter. Like I said, you can try Instagram, but be warned, my Instagram DMs are near impossible for me to get through, so it is trickier. Your message might not be seen. 
Specifically, though, I want to talk about Assassin's Creed Odyssey. You can ask me about whatever, and I might just answer, but ideally that. And for those of you who don't play the game, that is a-okay. I'm going to explain it all, talk all about it, and how it relates to ancient Greece and the mythology. It's going to be really fascinating. You are all the best. Thank you for being around. I am Liv, and oh, how I love this shit. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com.